Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Pay. Oh, you had a new joke. Do I? Yeah, you just told me the other day. Oh, that's actually a kind of old joke. I might have said it on the air before, but I'll do it again. Yeah, I met this guy. Um, he he proclaimed himself to be a psychic medium, but dude, look at that guy. He was a psychic large for sure. Yeah, that, okay, I heard that. No, you had a newer one. A newer one, really? Or maybe it was a uh, shoot anagram. Wait, what's that one? Which spelled the same forward and backward? Oh, a palindrome. Palindrome. I got a new palindrome recently for my friend, a guy named Jesse, the guy who I used to play in a band with down in uh, Southern California. Yeah, he just sent it to me the other day. Um, oh, uh, what, what was it? Oh, it'll come to me. Um, People might be hearing that scratch, that, that so she, tapping. Yeah. If you hear that tapping, that's my dog wishing that she was outside. But she. But can't she's be. not. Because last night the next door neighbor's dog got mauled by a mountain lion. Oh, I know, yeah, but my, my, just two doors down on the other side of the property over here with the pond. Yeah, yeah, that their dog got mauled by a mountain lion two nights ago. Yeah, bummer. Staying in, search. Yeah, well, I'll let her out. She's tough. Oh yeah, so the palindrome. My friend Jesse sent it to me. Fool and aloof. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? That is good. I can't believe I never heard that one. Yeah, Jesse's good, man. He, I mean, Jesse and I bonded over palindromes and music. Oh, look at her. She's like tapping on the window. Sounds like more. She's code. pathetic. No, I'll, hold on. I'll let her out. All right, dummy. Hi, soldiers. Hi. It works. My incessant begging worked. All right. Oh, yeah. So Jesse and I, we bonded over palindromes. He sends me amazing ones. Yeah, here, he, I'll pull up a text, and any text from him is going to be chock full of palindromes. So. Hold on a second. So, yeah, this airs in time. The premiere of Seth's new movie, Momo, the Missouri Monster, will, with Cliff and I in it, will be premiering, I think it's August 6th or September 6th at Lexington, Kentucky for CryptidCon. CryptidCon, which is one of the best cons out there. Yeah. It's only like three years running now. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. It's, 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 uh, Meldrum's going to be there this year. Yeah. Tom Shea is going to be back. We can't yeah. say enough nice things about Tom Shea. Yeah, he's the best Bigfooter out there right now, field investigator for sure. He's just a hell of a tracker. Yeah, he's and, and uh, he's also awesome at observing and recording. I mean, he's got 80 spiral notebooks full of detailed notes about Sasquatches, like tracking them, what they've been feeding on, where they're going, what time of year. He records temperature, dates. Yeah, he's a, he's a witness. He's seen him multiple times. Yeah, he thinks he's he, he says he's filmed a couple. I mean, I've seen the footage. I think he might have. It's nothing to write home about, but it is I, better than anything I've gotten. That's for sure. Yeah. So Cryptid Con, and I think is Seth. Well, Seth Sobby's going to be there because he's showing his yeah. film. Who else do we know is going to be there? I think Lyle's there again. Is he? 
I think. Yeah, so CryptidCon, which is uh, at the beginning of September. It's like the first weekend of September. Yeah, so Meldrum's going to be there. You and I are going to be there. Um, Nick Groff's going to be there. He's that, yeah. he's a ghost guy, really, more than a cryptid kind of guy, but he's super cool, We're super knowledgeable. Him. Yeah, David Polites is going to be there. Yep, that's yeah, that's right. He, he's a pleasure to work with. Um, and and uh, Seth is going to be there. And some of my newest and most favorite people on the planet, Mountain Monsters. Those guys are going <laughs> to yeah. be there. I love those guys. Um, and there are some people I'm, I'm honestly not very familiar with. Um, uh, Heather Taddy, do you know who this person is? Oh, she's ghost. She's ghost as well. Yeah, you know, well, the organizers of this event, they do dabble in the ghosts and other paranormal sort of things. Oh, they, they jump full. They're, that's where they come from. Yeah, they come from that. They're dab- I guess they're dabbling in encrypted. Yeah. This other woman, Jail Depardo, do you know who that is? Oh, uh, is she a psychic? I don't know. I don't know. I've heard her name. Well, if she is, she knows that we're talking about her now, and she can call and correct us. <laughs> Well, anyone that anyone that's on this bill is good. Yeah, Derek Hayes. You know who that guy is? I just see the pictures. See, I, I, I don't know. See, a lot of these people. I'm afraid I don't know who they are, but I don't get out much, you know. Um, but I do know who Charlie Raymond is, and he's going to yeah. be there. Charlie's one of the best investigators, along with Thomas Shea, Rodney yeah. Adams, and all those guys from Kentucky. Yep, Rodney. He's yeah. Tom's partner. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a great event. Um, so if you're into the ghost thing or the cryptid thing, it's a good opportunity to come and see how those two worlds collide. I think that's the next gig that you and I are going to have together after this episode airs next weekend. Yeah, exactly. So this will be out in time. Yeah, because we recorded so many before, like they didn't air for three or four months. That now that we're yeah, we're running, up against the wall now. Yeah, we got to get run these out. things done. <laughs> I, think, I think people are going to appreciate that, that they were, we ran out. A little more timely, right? Yeah, they're not so like we're talking about three-month-old incidents. Yeah, they'll appreciate it until we can't get together one week. And we got <laughs> to put out some nonsense, you know, for a week. Oh, well. well you know what they bet you know what if you're listening to this podcast you probably are getting the feel of who we are because on finding bigfoot we were edited and remember editors whole job is to make you look good right so they made you know they made matt look a little more sane than perhaps he was (laughs) they made renee look like she knew a little bit more than perhaps she did and they made boba look family friendly you know (laughs) and he's really not so family friendly as you're probably getting the gist you know from listening to the podcast they made cliff look less funny than he is (laughs) perhaps i guess i don't know i do look pretty funny but um but nonetheless you know and the, the only editor we have here is just making us making sure that you know there aren't too many ums or you know dead spaces you know um, so, Good luck with that one. Yeah, exactly. I um, own a lot. Uh, what? Uh, what? Did you my dream the other day? No. Oh my god, dude! It was one. Of, I know everyone says my dream was so real, but I was at this. I was in Kentucky, stuck at a bus stop, but I was at the bar next door. There was a twenty-four-hour bar and laundromat. I think it was. That's always a great idea, you know. Like bars and laundromats are not an idea that's been brought together very much. And I was with Joe Rogan. And we were, it was a super sketchy place, and there was full of juggalos, big oh. fat juggalos, like five hundred pound big fat guys, like the were, clown clown folks, yeah, right, ICP, uh huh, the the insane clown posse yeah. fans, like they're like deadheads but like darker and dressed like clowns. Yeah, they're way they're way different, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they uh, there's these big fat five hundred pound juggalos like leaning up against the doors and passed out against the doors, so you, you couldn't get out there just puking on themselves and puking on anyone that came near them. And Matt LeBlanc came by and got us out of there. Really? Yeah, he was, like, throwing people out of the way and stuff. He's like a superhero. Yeah. Even more so than in real life. Yeah. And, oh, we were going to a Bigfoot conference. Oh, of course we were. <laughs> yeah, because Matt LeBlanc was there yeah. with Joe Rogan. Yeah. Nice. 
and it's in Kentucky. Oh, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna talk about. Duh. You, you want you, you you can cut this up into another part for for. No, I think it's just flowing very nicely. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, our our fans know us now. Like we're just hanging out, like being Cliff and Bob's man. There was more to the. Oh, and when I came out of the dream here. Yeah, no, no. When we came out of the 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 bar, bar laundromat? slash laundromat, and uh, Matt LeBlanc got done throwing the juggalos out of the way, the five hundred pound juggalos. We walked outside. There was this huge crowd of crush of press. And my dad was giving this big speech, and all the news was there, like CNN, Fox, ABC, ABC, CBS, all the like, national news crews were there. And it was my dad giving a speech on Cardi B being the political genius of our era. No kidding. Yeah. And I was like, what? My dad's up there with Cardi B. Fireball. Her. Yeah. That, that's, she's the most political genius. The most, what do you say? She was the most, what do you say? Um, the most brilliant political mind of her of this generation. Yeah. Okay. Finally, something we can all agree on. <laughs> and I was just like, God, that was a weird ass dream, man. I, but <laughs> I think it portends something for this Kentucky trip coming up for CryptidCon. I think so. I think it's a direct. That's clearly directly related to yeah. CryptidCon. Or I mean, I, I don't want to like you know convolute things too much. Or. Uh, Michigan Paracon next weekend. That's true. Yeah, when this drops next weekend, we're going to be at Michigan Paracon That's right. in the midst of some very weird stuff. We're going to get some good, uh, we'll get some contacts for some great guests at that. Oh, for sure. For sure. We just got to get these people scheduled, man. We've got more guests than we know what to do with. Right. Yeah. I still get the things that people ask you the most about by far is things I said on Joe Rogan and things I said on Conan. Did we go over this a lot? Before. No, we haven't talked about either of those things. So when I did Rogan and Conan, it was right around the time of before. It was just before Mel Ketchum released the DNA Bigfoot Genome Project, whatever it was called. Yeah. What was it called, the Bigfoot Genome Project? I don't know what it was properly called. I know what I called it behind the scenes. Right. Nothing good. So, yeah. So I, I got convinced that, you know, we were, I was with, because Paul Graves and Derek Randalls and Wally Wally Hersham, he's he's the guy that funded everything. He he funded Melba's project. He put several hundred thousand dollars. He put over a half million dollars into it. And so they got to go to this thing with uh, Melba and these other scientists. I don't know who these people were. Supposedly they were scientists, and they were going off about how it was indisputable. They had it in the bag. It was a human hybrid with a, some type of uh, ape or. A, well, I know that one point, didn't she call it an alien? And another point, she called it an angel. angel right. And it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. Because, like, Derek Randalls and Paul Graves and Wally had gone to this conference with supposedly the, all the top people. I think Paul Edis was there and Melba and some other, Melba said these other scientists, and they said, we have it nailed down. Uh, we got the genome all sequenced, and it's it's human mixed with unknown origin something like a star man like angel or yeah alien whatever, or whatever right. it was it's some nonsense well it was before she said that though it was when she was saying it was a hybrid a human with a like maybe australopithecus or whatever whatever it would have been and so i was like wow that, make, that makes sense to me and i knew bigfoots were real and i knew they had to be something so if, if this su- supposedly great geneticists were saying this is what it is and i was like that's got to be what they are so I, I went on there and said that oh yeah these tests are coming out Yada yada yada, and so I still get called on that all the time. I was r- 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 wrong. 
<laughs> okay, Fonzie. Yeah. That's a Fonzie quote right there. I recognize <laughs> yeah. that. I watched myself some happy days back in the days. Yeah. In my happier days. And so I was just like, oh, man, I ate cr- I still regret that so bad because on the Rogan show, I, I just re-listened to it like a week ago or two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, man, I was talking out. I was spouting out a lot of stuff. And I actually spoke pretty well, but I was wrong about that. And everyone else was asking me about something else I was wrong about on that. I thought it was going to come out. It might have been the Sykes thing, too, because that was bubbling up around the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Brian Sykes, the Oxford geneticist. Yeah, yeah. But he, his work ended up being sloppy on a lot of stuff. I mean, he was great. He, the, uh, what was it, Ots, the Iceman, the yeah, yeah. Italian Alps. Yeah, see, he did such good work and then such sloppy work with the whole Bigfoot thing. It's, it's a shame that, you know, he holds himself to two different standards like that. Right. And it's hard to say. I mean, there's just so much... Like the Sierra Kills, I said, that definitely happened. I was talking about that, how I was on the, you know. Yeah, what do you think now? You think that's real still? I'll say this. There's a few holes in his story, but the fact that Bart, who's one of our best friends, it was one of our guests on here, you just heard Bart Coutinho. I trust Bart. Well, Bart was with those guys, and he went to go use his cell phone. He was looking for a place that got reception. He was walking around this bar restaurant out in the mountains in the Sierras, and he walked underneath the deck, and he... Uh, maybe it was drizzling or something. He was trying to get out of some weather or something. And he got underneath the deck, was standing in the pitch black. On the, his wife was talking to him. And Justin and Jack came out onto the porch, and they were talking about it. And Jack was telling Justin, I told you not to shoot it. Why did you shoot it? That was so, I'm so pissed at you, man. You should have never shot it, blah, blah. And so they didn't, they had no idea Bart was done. They did not know he was eavesdropping. So he eased, he eavesdropped on him. When we were out there, uh, Monkey, where he said he, where he stuck the dead baby, when he shot, he shot an adult first, he says he shot the adult that ran off and crashed in the brush. He went looking for it. Him and his buddy went looking for it. When they got down there, he said two identical twin Bigfoots. And you know what? No one knew at that time, I don't think publicly, that there are identical twin Bigfoots. There's been a few cases. Like the people we talked to, the couple in New Mexico that saw the two yep. twin brothers like wrestling on the side of the road. And I've talked to other witnesses and said, this is going to sound crazy, but they're identical twins. Yeah. And so he said they were identical twins, and his description is just, to me, he couldn't have been lying too much. I mean, there was too much details he had to be, to me that sounded like to be lying, but he could have been. Um, but when Monkey barked and barked, because she never barked that whole trip, when Monkey barked and barked and started digging, where we never walked over there. We were standing about 15 feet away, but he pointed to it was that bush right there. Five minutes later, monkeys over there barking, digging, 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 and we we all flipped out. We're like, "What?" You know? Don't you think she might have done that for a bear or something too, though? No, because Justin had killed bears all over there, and she didn't freak out anywhere else. Mm, okay. So that that to me was a uh, pretty compelling, and then the fact that Bart got video, uh, thermal video there. Yeah, in the same spot. Yeah, in the same spot. I mean, there's yeah. there's factors going for it, and there's factors going against it. So yeah, I mean, I'm not. And then also, oh, that's the other thing about Sykes. When Sykes, he tested Justin's boot, he said, there's no blood on there where he said the blood was. When Bart took it to a separate uh, university lab, like top lab with genetics yeah. laboratory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, he got it. Bart, uh, to his credit, got everything uh, tested independently by people who couldn't give a crap. Right. And that's the way to do it. Yeah. Well, they said, whoever said there's no blood on here did horrible, shoddy work. And he didn't tell me it was Brian Sykes, famous geneticist. He just, he just said, yeah, um, is there blood? You know, did you see any blood that was up here? And exactly where they said, where Justin drew a, he drew a, on the uh, boot, 
a picture of the a picture of the boot he drew where the blood from the Bigfoot was. Yeah, there was a huge blood splatter exactly where he said on a luminol test, mm. exactly there. So I mean, he had that going for him. It's just too bad. I mean, he was, he wore those boots all the time, and then he sank on a boat in San Francisco Bay and was in the water for 17 hours, and the boots got moldy after that, and that's what killed all the DNA. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't buy it necessarily. You know, I, yeah, I'm not convinced like I was, but those were the those were the things that I was like on Rogan and Conan just going, yep, it's in the bag. It's coming out soon. It's coming well, out soon. We all make mistakes, man. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, and, and that's just something that you got to, you know, grit your teeth and bear it, man. If you're going to be a public figure in Bigfoot land, you're going to be wrong and you're going to be wrong publicly at some point, you yeah. know, in a big way. You know, whether it's what you're saying on those, those, you know, broadcasts or me in the London tracks or whatever, you know, yeah. like you're going to be fantastically wrong publicly at some point. Yeah. Then you just got to deal with it. That's part of, you know, growing as a person and being humble and all that other stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know what else I was looking at the other day? Speaking of people maybe being wrong, was the that footage of the Blue Mountain trackway with John Green? Blue no, Creek Mountain. Blue Creek Mountain, yeah. There you go. Okay, Oh, yeah. what did I say? Blue Mountain? Yeah, you said Blue Mountain. Oh, I meant, sorry, my bad. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, August 1967. Yeah, just before the PG film. Yep. That Man, was those... that trackway that got Roger and Bob there, actually. I was looking at some of those prints look so fake to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm having tr- more and more trouble with the Blue Mountain uh, um, trackway. Yeah, at Blue Creek Mountain Trackway at this point. Um, but there's other parts. See, yeah, and that's a whole other can of worms, man. Um, the the 1967 Onion Mountain print looks an awful lot like one of the Wallace fakes. And then right. a couple of the other ones on there look an awful lot like the Wallace fakes. But the thing is, and I, and I would be willing to say, yeah, the Blue, Mountain, Blue Creek Mountain Trackway is fake. Except for the presence of half tracks. Right. There are half tracks in that trackway. And I don't know how you do that with fake stompers. I don't think you can do that with fake stompers. But there are clear half tracks. And, of course, half tracks, if, you, if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about, Sasquatches have retained flexibility in the mid part of their foot. So right underneath the ankle, basically, or real close to there, um, there is a joint called the mid-tarsal joint. It's actually not a joint. It's a bunch of bones that move together like a singular joint, but they work in tandem. Um, it, it, it flexes there, basically. And when, they, when Sasquatches push off, like when they're walking or running or something, it pushes off at that place, basically almost right underneath their ankle bone. Whereas in humans, it pushes off on the ball of their foot right behind the toes. Um, and so what you get is when a Sasquatch is running or when it's moving quick is that sometimes the heel doesn't impress very deeply or at all. And you just get the front part of the foot, the fore part of the foot um, from right underneath the ankle at what we call the base of the metatarsals forward. And it forms what we uh, what we refer to as half tracks. Um, it's a very specific Sasquatch sort of thing. Um, humans can't do it. Other animals don't do it. Um, but there are... In the Blue Blue Creek Mountain Trackway, uh, there are examples of these prints, um, which is a very specifically a Bigfoot thing. So, are they is that track line fake or not? I don't know. The I don't Bigfoot, know. Bigfoot's capable of leading some very fake looking tracks. I suppose so, but I, I just don't see a lot of the. Yeah, I don't know. There's just I don't have access to enough of the tracks to make a clear determination. And it seems that one of the tracks might be Patty. 
Right. You know, and of course, skeptics, oh, that just means the Patterson-Gimlin film is fake. No, come on, just shut up for a change, right? Um, it, it Most likely, if it is fake, then Wallace and those guys base their tracks off of real ones or what was showing up at the time. That's We all know that, actually. Um, if it's not fake, well, that's probably Patty, because otherwise, how do you explain the half tracks? Right. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, the deeper I look into the footprint tracks and the more familiar I get with the obviously real ones... Um, I start looking at the ones that aren't so obviously real and really have to wonder, you know, like, how would you do that? You know, because, you know, uh, hoaxers are notoriously crafty folks. Yeah. You know, psychopaths as they might be, in my opinion. They're, they're crafty folks. Like, how would you do that? But as a as a good citizen scientist, man, you're always trying to prove these things wrong, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know a way to prove these half tracks wrong yet. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, that's what I could talk about a little bit. Yeah, so that goat was torn apart. The woman had two big German Shepherd guard dogs, like a breeding pair, a big male and a female. Uh-huh. Um, they, they're on 18 acres surrounded by several hundred acres of private timberland. Uh, they lived there for five years. After they lived there for four years, I mean, they lived there five years. When they, they're, the, they're the end house in this dirt road, out, you know, it's out kind of in the boonies. It's in Alabama. It's a, you heard of the Alabama white thing? Remember that? Uh, the white thing. Thang. T-H-A-N-G. T-H-A-N-G. Yeah, the thang. white thing. <laughs> Anyways, they, uh, so she called it the Alabama white thing. I guess that's her term for just Bigfoots. Yeah. Um, so these people bought this property. It's 18 acres at the end of the road, surrounded by hundreds of acres of timberland, private timberland, on three sides of them. And they moved in five years ago, four years ago. So after they've been there a year, all their chickens, big, those big white egg-laying hens that live in you know, big hen house hens. Yeah. 21 of those disappeared overnight. Just, 21? Yeah, overnight. Wow. Just all gone at once. And it wasn't a bear. It didn't tear the, it was able to open the, the latch and get them out, open the little gate to get in there. Yeah. So that happened. Then about, uh, she thinks it was two years ago, maybe one year ago. She saw one next to their barn, and when she made eye contact with it, it turned and sprinted and ran and ran up into the woods. And nearly simultaneously, her uncle, who didn't believe in Bigfoots at all, and, you know, he's in his 50s or something, he saw a big brown one, like eight, nine foot, standing up on the side of the hill watching the whole thing. Hmm. From And he was driving it in a truck from the other side of the barn. So they, uh, she started feeding them. She said, well, they're here. Uh, she thought it was cool they were there, so she started putting out food all the time for them. They got, like, a big family of kids, and so when there's leftovers, she just put it out there for the Bigfoots. And as far as she knew, they were taking it sometimes, and everything seemed to be good. They had, like, a friendly relationship. Well, they started clear-cutting around her property, like, the week before, just a couple weeks ago, and the Bigfoots seemed awful mad. And next thing she knows, they had a couple, had a couple of goats disappear, but then she... They had a trailer, a car, a car trailer, a car haul trailer. You know, you could put yeah. a car and tow it. Got stolen out of the yard, so they put a game cam up. Well, she was going out to check the game cam at noon. Pulls the car, goes back into the house. And they have like a couple sectioned off sections for their pet goats. Her kids raise goats, little pet goats. Yeah. She went back in. They had lunch. They looked at the card. There's no um, photos of anything you know amiss on it. She goes back out to put it out. The other goat is on the other side of the fence now in another penned-in area. And then the dead goat the pictures of is leg pulled off and degloved, like the skin ripped off it with no discernible cut marks. And it looks just ripped. 
gone. The whole leg's gone with the skin laying there for, and uh, so she thought it might have to do something to do with the uh, logging starting up. That's what seemed to enrage them, and she thinks. But it, the big male German Shepherd would not go in that section of the yard where the Bigfoot or whatever where the dead goat was. Yeah, that male Bigfoot, uh, that male German Shepherd, the big fearless guard dog that'll go after any other animal. Wouldn't go in there for at least a week. Just was whimpering, and they, and the dogs were there when it happened. Were outside. They never made a sound when that whole time that the in this hour period where that goat got killed, the other one got put put on the other side of the fence. Surprised the goat didn't make some noise. Yeah, they didn't hear anything. Wow, Pretty I don't trust goats. I love goats. I, why, why do you love goats? They're kind of like me. How so? Like the the rectangular pupils. No, how they like, love to just eat everything. Oh, well, and they're, they're, they're amazingly dexterous. I think that's cool. Yeah. I like how they stand on top of things that probably shouldn't be stood upon. But just how they, there's like, I just like the way that they just keep all like your vegetation around your house, like, you know, can fire safety. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I then, should probably get one for around here. Well, you have to, if you have just one, they usually die right away. There's not at least two or three of them, they, they'll die. Oh, God, I don't want two or three goats. Yeah, they're a pain. Oh, they're a pain in the ass. They're a total pain in the ass. And you got mountain lions around, so that's they just feast on those things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of mountain lions around here. Yeah. Goats, goats, <laughs> goats. Oh, and so I looked on her Facebook page. Right. And sure enough, from a couple weeks before, she had posted, anyone see this trailer stolen around here? You know, and she had pictures of their car trailer that was stolen. Yeah. So that matched up her story about putting well, the game I mean, why out. would people lie, you know? I mean, I mean, I guess some people lie just for the attention. But, they're, I mean, that's a mental illness, don't you think? Right. Yeah, I posted it on my Facebook page. Everyone's like, "Oh, you know, they just they just killed the goat and they're trying to cover it up." Or it's like, no, like I talked to one of her kids that that raised the goats. And they're, how ironic! They're upset. a kid raises a goat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Cliff. So um, yeah, I mean, I I totally believe one hundred percent. They they did not set it up. It's not a. They didn't, other people said they probably drove over it and. Torch leg off with the tractor, and they're just trying to tell the kid. Oh, God. Telling <laughs> the kid a Bigfoot did it just to, you know, take the blame off them. Yeah, that's the most logical thing that someone <laughs> would do. Well, it made sense to me. I'm thinking, yeah, if I was a parent, I'd drive over my kids' goat. I'd be like, Bigfoot tore it off. That's sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you get Bigfoot took the goldfish. It's it's meant to be eaten by one. Yeah, but the husband <laughs> looked at it, and he said he checked out the neck, and he couldn't didn't seem to be broken neck at all. And it was 98 degrees with 95% humidity, so he just got rid of the car. She wanted, she wanted to leave the carcass out so she could document it. Yeah. And he just took three pictures and threw it away. Oh. So, but he said he checked it for another wound, no other wounds, discernible, and no broken neck that he could tell. Right, right. Hmm. Which usually it seems like squatches snap necks. Yeah, seems like it, but maybe that's only on animals they need to de- dispatch quickly. Yeah, like a small goat. Well, I'm thinking like elk, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm saying a small goat, they would just pull the leg oh, off. Oh, no, they just like rip the thing apart. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, I imagine if I was hard-pressed, I might be able to kill a goat, you know. I just saw a video of chimpanzees, um, the largest kind of monkey that chimpanzees hunt. They're pretty good size. The colobus monkeys? I think that The was. black and white ones? Uh, I think that's what it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The chimps caught it, and they just... Oh, my God. They just pulled it apart, like... yeah. Like we pull up off a chick, like a drumstick off a chicken. Right. That's how they pulled this monkey apart. Uh, chimpanzees are horrifying animals, like the the worst pets you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Like smart, three five times stronger than you, and hands. Oh, at least hands and canines. Yeah, you, you, yeah, and canines. 
man, you don't want pets with hands and canines. No. Well, no. like my, my old land partner down in Nicaragua, Johnny G, was raising that monkey army member. The spider monkeys? <laughs> the, yeah, the guy who's raising an army of monkeys. Yeah, yeah of course I remember him. <laughs> well, he got a pet chimpanzee from someone that was Oh, my like, God. What a yeah. bad idea. It was like three or four years old. It was just starting to get into like, starting to hit puberty a little bit. Man, it ripped off. He had to get his hands sewn back there. It tore off like a couple of fingers and thumb, like tore them. So they were like dangling. And it wasn't even, and it was it was still relatively small. It wasn't even, it wasn't even half sized yet. They, they get up to 180, 200 pounds, the big males. Yeah. This one was still only like, 70, 80 pounds, and it just ripped his hand off with its mouth. I think it has something to do with, like, muscular control. Like, it's either all on or all off sort of thing. Mm. But I could be wrong because I've seen chimpanzees and what a gorilla is, like, deal with, you know, kittens and things like that. Right. So maybe, maybe that's not what it is. I don't really know, I guess. But, right. but yeah, like, I can't think of a worse pet. Maybe a Bigfoot would be a worse pet. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, man. Cause, but, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, for them, so for a... You know, 150 pounds, 180 pound chimp to just rip off the leg like that of a muscly monkey. Yeah. What a 800 pound Bigfoot could do. Yeah. What, what is it? Chimps are six or eight times stronger than humans yeah. or something like that. I mean, Sasquatches would have to be a, you know, 12 to 20 times stronger at least. Well, I read a report. I remember, I remember reading this, and I think Lauren Coleman might have actually sent it out. And it was, they tested, I think it was at University of Chicago or Chicago Zoo, they tested. They train the apes and monkeys or apes. Oh, to bench press, right? And lat pull. Yeah. And leg press. Uh huh. And they would give them grapes and banana bits when they did it right. And then they'd get excited, but they had a four year old, so not even an adult. She was like 120. I remember this because she weighed the exact same amount as this head Jocko weighed on the hmm. British Columbia when they caught the supposed Jocko. Yeah, yeah. Yale. Yeah, BC, like 1887, I think it was. Um, so it was, I remember it was thinking, it's the same size as Jocko. It was like within a couple pounds, 125 pound female chimp, four years old. She was on the lap pull machine and she was up to 400 pounds. And you know, you lap pull, you sit on the seat and there's a bar that goes over your thighs as you're sitting. And you yeah, reach so you don't up. get pulled off the ground. Yeah, right. so you don't get pulled off the ground. Well, she started doing it and she started doing it so fast with 400 pounds. So then she switched to one hand and was pulling it, and the, the cable was flying up and down because it was going so fast. It was getting loose on the wheels. <laughs> then she stood up. It was holding on to the, the, the bar goes across her legs. She was standing on it, holding it with her feet and still pulling the 400 pounds down with one hand. And they gave her, they were giving her grapes. And she got so excited, she pulled it so fast, it flew off the tracks, the cable. I get that, man. Grapes are great. Yeah. <laughs> and then the uh, orangutan. Um, God, you know what? I just forgot. The male weighed 230, 240 pounds, I think. Yeah. And it was benching. Oh, a thousand pounds, something like that. Wow! And then they they got the uh, the male gorilla down there, and he was like four hundred fifty pounds, four hundred seventy five pounds, something like that. He was bench pressing. It was somewhere between sixteen hundred and two thousand pounds. I know for sure he was doing sixteen hundred. Oh yeah, sixteen hundred pounds. He started on the bench press, started throwing it up and catching it with one hand, and then benching it with one hand, throwing it in the air, rolling back, catching it with his foot, and benching the sixteen hundred pounds with its foot. Wow. Yeah, like just throwing it around, just throwing it so high, throw it way up, catch it with a different hand, catch it with a foot, and doing it one-handed, one-footed, like at 1,600 pounds. And I think I think the machine went up to 2,000, and that's when the gorilla maxed out its bench press. Like it was still, they, they don't know how much longer, how much higher it could have went. You know, I, I've, um, 
you're talking about uh, orangutans right now a little bit. And I, um, I'm most of the way through a book right now written by a guy named John McKinnon um, called In Search of the Red Apes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever read that book or no, not. I've seen it. Yeah, he, um, this guy has studied in England somewhere, maybe Oxford, if I remember right. Um, and he, he he writes about these two or three trips that he took down to Borneo um, to look for uh, orangutans. And, and I, I picked it up because it was recommended to me by uh, a fan or somebody who emailed me. Because at one point in, like, the early 70s um, in Borneo or Malaysia, he uh, ran across prints that he couldn't identify. Uh, footprints that looked humanish in some ways, and but uh, really? a little different. And um, he showed them to his guides, and they said, "Oh, that's that's the batutut, the uh, orang pendek." In other words, like they had several different names for them, but batutut, which was the one that they used locally. And he said, "Yeah, my guides said this isn't an animal. My guides say that this is a ghost." that eats uh, snails out of the river and all these other biological sort of things, you know? Right. But, um, and he started learning a little bit about the orang pendek and the other local small hominoids in the area. Um, but yeah, this fully credentialed, uh, legendary orangutan researcher, who's one of the first guys ever to like follow around wild orangutans, um, in the field and learn about them and do thousands of hours of observations. He ran across footprints, um, of, of unknown ape-like things out in the woods or whatever. Could you discern, um, did you see photos of the prints? No, he said he drew pictures of them. He didn't uh, take photographs of them, but had since seen other photographs of them. So um, I was thinking about reaching out to him, see if he still has those uh, drawings. That would be interesting. Yeah, to get a I want to see them compared to yours. Yeah, it would be fascinating to find out. And But reading his stories about, about these giant apes, you know, because orangutans are largely or arboreal. They live most of their lives in trees. Right. But the big males apparently come down to the ground quite a bit. And I didn't right. know this. Um, and he tells stories about, like, walking on forest trails, you know, pulling leeches off them because it's a jungle and it's horrific down there. Um, and then, like, almost stumbling across a, a giant, you know, 200-250-pound uh, male orangutan walking on the same trail in the opposite direction. You know, and these things are just big, shaggy fur balls yeah. with giant faces with those big, you know, the phalangeal sacks or whatever on right. the other side. And, you know, it's four and a half feet tall, five feet tall, just walking on all fours on the ground and how they're intimidating they were to him and how um, they would actually, like, throw things at him and try to scare him away and do bluff charges and whatnot. It kind of paints a different picture of these uh, peaceful apes that uh, I've been conditioned to think about. I've always wondered how much of a fight could a jaguar get out of a big male orangutan? Could it fight it off at all, you know, or just... Oh, I, don't, I think the orangutan would probably win. I really? Mean, I do. I really do. Like a big male, like, because I, I think it would do, take some damage, but at the same time, I think that would just, like, rip off the head. I mean, these things are... Listen, so strong. Yeah, what you were just talking about, these the bench presses and all that other stuff that these, these apes can do. I mean, they would just rip the legs off of the thing. You know, to well, take a handful of fur and pull, and there'd be like a six-inch deep wound right in the side of the thing. Well, that's a story I can tell. Tell it. Up on the Quinault Indian Reservation, you've heard this story a bunch of times, but it's one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, I'm friends with an uh, elder woman up there, and she's been very kind to me and gave me a lot of information over the years. And her husband was a big-time outdoorsman, and he was out hunting, and he shot a bear a huge black bear just before sunset and it was too dark he didn't get a great shot it was he wounded it and the thing screamed and ran off well he followed it as much as he could till it got pitch black slept out there because it was summertime or 
early fall, so it wasn't dark for that long. This is up in Washington State on the coast. Next day, he tracked it all day again, found a little blood sign. It wasn't bleeding bad. And just before it got sunset again the next day, he, could, he was real close. He could see, you know, the blood was fresh. Then he started hearing noises, and he started hearing the bear roaring and, like, sound like a bear fight. And as he crept up looking over into this little valley, like, real small valley, and he was close, he noticed he could see this, the big bear spinning in circles and roaring and, and swiping. Then he realized, oh, on the outsides of it was the young troop of, um, that's when I first learned about Bigfoots having like teenage packs, like the, the male lions when they pack up, when they, they get driven out of the pack, you know, the pride. They, they join up with other male lions when they're adolescents. Uh-huh. So the, the Bigfoots, they said there, um, the, the adults drop off the young ones and they'll live in a pack till they're big enough to go out on their own. They'll, they'll be a pack of teenagers. I think, I think that's, those are the ones that are responsible for running in front of cars, right in front of the car and that sort of thing. But anyways, so he said that he noticed that these Bigfoots were darting in and, like, they'd jab like their fingers like daggers into the bear, like piercing the hide, and then they'd rip and pull. And they'd hit with one, with one hand, they'd punch it. The other hand, they'd, they'd drive the hand in and actually drive it into the hide and rip out a chunk of skin and flesh and hair. Wow. Fur. And they and they jump back because of the bear. You know, this was a big five hundred something pound bear. And these and she said that these things were probably one hundred and fifty to two hundred fifty pounds. They were smaller ones with That's one my size. You yeah, one ninety five. So yeah, with one bigger like seven foot, maybe three hundred fifty pounder that was the leader. And they were they were coming in. And after about ten minutes of this, the big one let out some kind of sh- like shrieky whistle kind of sound, like made a sound. And they all just, no hesitation, charged in super fast and just pounded and were ripping and seeing flesh. And, wow. And the big one, you know, grabbed it by the neck and was twisting its neck, and, and they, they killed it. And, then, and he just backed away and left. He didn't try to get his bear hunt. No. <laughs> but, I mean, that, uh, so that case, I mean, I think that's how a pack of chimps, you know, when they, when they drive off a leopard or something, it's probably the same exact thing, you know? Yeah, they, you got to team up. That's what our ancestors did, you know, right. like in Australopithecines. They think that, you know, we traveled in large troops, basically, because we were prey animals, you know? Oh, yeah. And um, the only way we got, we survived was by working together. Working together, weapons and fire. Yep, pretty much, pretty much. Oh, you know what else is in the news? I saw people... Don't worry about wolves. You see that guy got attacked in his tent. I did bam. see that. Yeah, I'm hoping my wife doesn't see that. Story. I know. I didn't touch. I didn't show my girlfriend that one either because I'm like, because I've never heard of anyone. I've never heard of anyone being attacked by a wolf or no. a mountain lion in their tent. In their tent. No, never. Bears, yeah, but not mountain lions or wolves. Ne- like I've never heard of them going after someone in a tent ever. Yeah. So and it was a lone wolf. They said it was big. But, I mean, so if it was a lone wolf, you know, it had to be an old one, probably starving ex-alpha. Yeah, something like that. Probably Did it ex- go after a kid, though? No, it was an adult man. It was a, a man, a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old, and a woman. I thought it went after the 8-year-old, though. The man is who it had a hold of. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Then his, the neighbor camper ran up and kicked the thing as hard as he could. And it was just enough to, like, make it let And he screamed at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And it was just enough to make the thing let go. And then... To let go, they started throwing rocks at it, but it, it hung out for. I mean, it was about ready to pounce again, but they were waving their arms over their head and throwing rocks and screaming and hollering. And then the guy was hitting the button on his car to unlock it, or his wife was, and setting off the flashing lights and the horn. Yeah, yeah, 
That's when that, that wolf must have been pretty sick or messed up somehow. That's what I'm thinking. Right? They said it was big. They said it was a big one. <sighs> yeah, and, and, you know, wolves are here now. You yeah. Know that, right? I spoke to a, um, a woman today. She's a native woman that, that lives on the Warm Springs Reservation, and I asked her if she's ever seen a Bigfoot because she's a forester. You know, she's mm-hmm. out there marking trees and stuff for harvest. And she goes, no, I've never seen a Bigfoot. I've seen a few weird things out there, but never seen a Bigfoot. I see a lot of wolf tracks, though. I think, oh, God. All right. And, you know, they're talking, There's they're just now starting, starting to talk about reintroducing grizzly bears. Right. So I really don't want that to happen. What? I don't want grizzly bears here. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the balance of ecology and all that stuff, but I, I just don't want grizzly bears here. I'm scared of them. Yeah, you don't got to worry about them too much. No, I know more... that. I've camped in Yellowstone. I backpacked there and stuff like that. I get it, but, like, it's just another complication I'm not interested in enduring. Right. It's like, you know, if they're going to int- reintroduce dinosaurs, I wouldn't want those here either. Well, I can agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> dinosaurs would fundamentally change the camping experience. But it's just like surfing in NorCal, you know? The great, the great threat of great whites always there. Or yeah, it's something else I don't do, right? <laughs> it just makes it more exciting. I suppose. I mean, I would definitely still go camping. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it'd be even harder to get my wife out. Well, the the thing I don't like about the wolves is is if your dog like such right now saw a mountain lion over the edge of the and she charged it, it'll go up the tree. It'll it won't stand. It'll turn and run. If a canine, even a tiny, a thirty twenty pound, my friends, uh, Jack Russell's tree. Dozens of mountain lions where he lives down. down oh, really? Humble. Yeah. If the dog barks and goes at it, they're hardwired to go up a tree. Didn't know that. Good. And it's then good coyotes, coyotes, when a dog gets a certain size, coyotes usually won't mess with dogs. You know, once they get 70, 80 pounds, mm-hmm. they're kind of out of that range for the most part. Especially if they get like 100 pounds, the coyotes won't mess with it. But wolves, you could have five Rottweilers and a pack of wolves will roll through and kill it, kill those things in seconds. Wow. And they're not afraid. Like they'll lure them out. They're much more. They're that's what they're. They're way more dangerous for coyotes. For they are for like wolves dog. are gnarly. I mean, yeah. I, 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 did I tell you I saw wolves last year? No. Yeah, not this past summer, but the summer before. I was out in the Blue Mountains. Like I was doing a solo trip out there. I got two trips into the blues done, and I was going to meet Doctor Meldrum for a couple nights out there. He was out there too, and uh, the a night or two before I saw Meldrum, I believe. It was a great day, man. Um, I was way in the northern side, like way north of D-Duck, past the milkshakes and all this other spots. Um, and uh, I, I turned this corner, and I was going up the road. Right as I came around this bend, right in front of me, there's a pack of wolves, like about 150 yards up the road. You know, and I, I'm like, oh, my God. And, it's like, they're weaving in and out of the, the brush on the side of the road. What color were they? Black. Dark, dark charcoal black sort of gray thing, you know. And I, 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 I saw, I can't, maybe three of them. It was hard to say because they're going in and out of the brush on the side of the road. But I, I stopped for a minute because I didn't want to scare them off. I stopped my car and I fumbled and I, I actually managed to get footage of them. Like against all, against all hope, like because right. I fumbled with the camera, everything went wrong. It was like a Bigfoot was there or something. Like there's no right. way I should have got footage of them, but I did. And I, I managed to film one only because after they stopped weaving through the the, the grass and stuff on the side of the road, um, two of them came out on the road. I think there were three or four. I couldn't tell because they weren't all visible. Um, and they were pups. Yeah, and they were about the size of Sochi. You know, Sochi's you know right. about seventy pounds, so they're about her size. Um, and like one of them, well, there were two. Two of them on the road. One of them just kind of looked at me and like like kind of looked at me like up yours and like went off the side of the road. And the other one sat down in the road and just sat there and watched me. Even as a puppy, he had like enough balls or whatever just to sit there and like look at me like that. And that's the only reason I got it filmed. 
And then, so I, I, I filmed it for a few moments and then it went off the side of the road. And so I drove up there, like kind of close to it and I got out. Um, and I, and, cause I was like, well, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to cast wolf tracks. You know, how often do you get to do that? Um, just and, once in Minnesota. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I cast the wolf tracks, but the thing was I found, um, a, quite a number of footprints, but I, I found footprints of mom who I didn't see and like all the little babies or whatever, you know, like they're 70 pounds or something, but, um, like the wolf track, like I showed it to my neighbor actually. And who, who's from Minnesota, who's seen a ton of wolves and whatever. And when I showed that, that track to him, he goes, Oh my God, that's a big wolf. You know, the yeah. thing is, the thing was like, like that big. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. The biggest dog tra- track I've ever seen in my life. You know, well, but that saw, was a great experience. I saw that, the story I saw up in Alaska, the carcass, the moose carcass with the big buff stud, young, just giant muscly grizzly bear on it. I don't know. And five wolves around it, big timber wolves. I had At no, the same time? Yeah. Wow. They were fighting over the carcass right on the side of the road. And I mean, right on the side of the road. Like, Alaska's a magical place. Yeah. And I thought that the wolf, like, I didn't know timber wolves were that big. I had no idea they were that big. Oh, they're like 200 pounds, aren't they? They're like oh, huge. Not, like a big male's like, most of the alpha males up there are probably 175. Well, so yeah, that's 200 enough. I think I think the world record's 230. Yeah, geez. But yeah, so the males are the males are 150, 180 in there usually. And they can, they can get up to 200, like it's the a big old dog. giant ones. And these, these ones... You know, these ones might have been 180, 200, the, big, the bigger ones, but the females were like 140, 150. They were huge. And they, anyways, their, their heads were gigantic and their legs were thick and they're doing the same thing that those Bigfoots did to the bear. They were coming in and biting the grizzly. And it was, this thing was, the guy said it was, you know, a, a solid 750-pound bear hmm. just in its prime, like five years old, just muscles rippling and it was quick. And and uh, the, wool, the wolves were just coming in, going for his, Haunches, and I guess they go for the balls. Well, in the butthole too. Yeah, they pick at the butthole, so like it, they make it bleed, and it starts bleeding out, and it weakens it. Yeah, so that's what they're doing. They're that's what they're going for, and this bear spinning, spinning. And I'm like, man, if he gets a hold of one of those wolves, he's just gonna kill it. Then finally, he grabbed one of the wolves. It was a female, and uh, the guy, the the one of the guys there said that he that was the alpha female. And he just mauled it and just was ragdolling it and ripping at it with his claws. And I thought it was dead. I thought he broke its neck. And then all the other four were ripping at it, you know, going for its hindquarters. And he, so he had to let go. And he let go of her and spun on those ones. And I, I was just, and she was, had blood coming out of her all over. And she was on her feet in one second. And dude, literally within, within a second and a half of him letting go of her, she was latched on his ass again. Mm. Like it was, it took a thrashing from a giant grizzly bear and seemed unfazed. <laughs> yeah, and they drove the bear off after about five, seven minutes. Yeah, wolves are no joke, man. Uh, I I thought no way were they gonna get that grizzly bear off that kill. Yeah, you I, know, I think like it was a, a road. I think it was a road kill. Yeah, was, you know, um, I mean, it's now recognized that they are here in Mountain Hood National Forest. There's a pack of them that have that they just had a pup actually this past year, um, down on the uh, White River. On the um, okay. southeast slope of Mount Hood over there. Yeah. Um, great Bigfoot spot. My friend Will actually saw Bigfoot over there a few years back. Is that Will Call Hill? Yeah, yeah, Will. No, 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 different area. Uh, it's not in the area of Will Call Hill, but south of there. Okay. On the same ridge, though, in that is in general area. Yeah, there's a, a wolf pups out there now um, taken on that area uh, by a game cam. Um, but 
the funny part is like six, seven years ago, Will was um, up, Will's hunting spot is up there by the blueberry bog. Right. Um, and uh, he was telling me he was out there and he swore he saw de- uh, wolf scat and wolf prints. And that same year, the year after too, I kept seeing these really suspicious looking white Forest Service vehicles. Um, they weren't really well marked, but you can tell they were government vehicles because of how ill marked they were. Right. Um, with all these antennas and stuff up there with like dudes and uh, I only saw men doing it. I didn't see any women. So I will say dudes, dudes who are like carrying clipboards and um, and like dressed in khaki green. You know, they were okay. clearly like wolf biologists, basically. Right, right. You yeah, know? You with all that. yeah, years before they were actually acknowledged to be here. So the fact that now the Forest Service or whoever is acknowledging or ODFW or whatever they're called are acknowledging that they're here, it just must be undeniable at this point that there's so many of them around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They they can't deny it. No, no, exactly. Exactly. Well, all right, man. Well, that was a long um, kind of off-topic conversation all the way through, but I love that sort of thing because that's kind of what it's like when you and I hang out. Yeah. We, we're just hanging out. We're just talking. And, and I say stuff that Cliff clears it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, we both say things and we just build on each other because, yeah, you know, we're friends and that's what we do. We have hang out and have a conversation. And um, at this point in the game, well, there are some people that want to listen in. Yeah, and we're we're thankful for that. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, and you know if you're if you're downloading this for a podcast, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Um, if you want to listen again, we we have a YouTube channel that we put these things up with with our help uh, with the help of Jeffrey Thomas every week. Um, yeah, and uh, he puts a few visuals in every once in a while. So if you're only listening to this, go check out the YouTube channel every once in a while to see some visuals of. And yeah, little, we'll put those pictures up from what we were talking about today. Yeah, pictures and and footage taken whenever Jeff's in the same area as us. Um, yeah, and thank it, you so much for listening. It hit Meldrum for that torn in half deer picture. I want to see that. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Well, Jeff is going to be at CryptidCon, so uh, right. Yeah, we can hit him up there. Maybe we can use it or something for the show. Cool. Yeah. Well, other than that, guys, uh, thanks for a lot. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and uh, keep tuning in. We'll keep making these things because it's fun for us, and hopefully, it's fun for you. Yep. So, thanks for tuning in. Until next week, keep it squatchy. As squatchy as possible. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 